Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Preacher's Perspective with Pastor Warren J. Joyce from Moorhead, Minnesota. Today, we're going to continue our reading with um, my new book, Recognizing the Call, which has just been released for sale on Kindle and um, and Amazon as well with the paperback and the hardcover. Um, I encourage you, go get a copy. It... Um, the Kindle version is $9.99. The uh, paperback is $13.99. And a hardcover, if you like hardcover books, is $24.99. Um, get a copy and um, and you can use it for, uh, I encourage it for anybody that's, that's in ministry or that's going to be uh, coming into ministry or feels a call towards it. Um, and anyway, well, we're going to continue our reading here today. And this is in chapter 2. And the subtitle, Mistakes and Moving, and um, this is about a pretty difficult time in my family's life, and I want to, uh, to go over this with you here today. And it would be beginning on page 23 in the book if you have purchased it. Mistakes and Moving. In my walk with God and my search for His perfect will for my life, I have made many mistakes. One of these mistakes was that I thought I needed someone else to fulfill what God was wanting to fulfill in me. This lack of trust in myself and my relationship with God led me to live in several different places and to feel unsettled for many years. In this search, my family and I started a church in Ridgeland, South Carolina in 2009. We did so under the instruction of a man and his family who gave us well-meaning but misguided advice. We left Florida and moved to South Carolina with the intention and desire to start a church in a small town about 30 minutes from Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. I can say without a doubt I know God called me there and gave us a clear direction to go there. However, there was a pastor in a church nearby that had already made claim, uh, quote unquote, to that city and several other cities nearby. This meant that whoever came to start churches in these cities would have to go through his church to do so. We submitted to this process and did our best for the situation. Before we left Florida for South Carolina, we sold our house and had about $20,000 to use to get us a place to live. Uh, we were advised to find a building that could double as a living space and a place to have, have the church. So that is what we did. We rented a small storefront building that was previously used as a church building. It was already furnished with pews, and that helped with some of the initial expense of finding a place to have church. My parents came up from Florida, and we converted that little 1,200-square-foot building into a place we could have church. In the back of the building, we made a small 200-square-foot room that served as our studio apartment and also doubled as a Sunday school room. Our family of five spent about nine months of our lives in that little space. It was quite the experience. During our time in South Carolina, I became very close with a few of the other pastors there. There was both. Uh, this was both good and bad. It was good because I needed fellowship and friends in my life, and it was bad, however, because I became unbalanced in my walk with God. Instead of spending more time in prayer and talking to God about the difficult things I was facing, I spent more time on the phone venting to my friends. I didn't realize how detrimental this would be to all to the call of God in my life at the time. I thought this was helping me. In reality, it was damaging what God could have done because I was not available to hear His voice. I was only available to hear the voices of my friends. 
After four years of triumph and trial, we gave in to discouragement. It was the single most difficult situation I have ever had to face as a pastor. Deciding to leave was devastating to me and my family, and to this day, I still feel like there is a little piece of my heart in Ridgeland, South Carolina. I know the influences and voices I was listening to during that time were extremely negative and detrimental to me hearing God's voice. We must never replace the voice of God that we hear in prayer with the voice of someone else on the phone. This is the trap that many easily fall into. My wife and I had made ourselves available to God to do whatever he desired us to do, and that part was great. The problem was, we didn't find our peace and strength in him. I thought I would find what I, was ne- what I needed in others. But what I didn't realize was I needed to find those things in my relationship with God. It took me many years and much trial to come to this realization. I was always searching for what was missing and couldn't quite figure it out. When we were closing down the church in Ridgeland, I had to watch as everything we had worked for over the past four years was systematically taken apart and either sold or given away. It was demoralizing and devastating, to say the least. We went from South Carolina back to Winter Haven, Florida. This was near my wife's and my hometown. And we started going to a local church in a neighboring town, pastored by a great man of God. And we arrived at a time when the church was in the midst of a transition, and we found ourselves caught in the middle of it. The pastor resigned from the church only six months after our arrival, and many thought we would be the perfect fit to fill the vacant pastoral role. This was not the case, though. As God's voice was still skewed to me by the voices of others, we decided it was best that we attend another church nearby. This became our church home for several several years, and the pastor and his wife there remain leaders and friends to my family to this day. That church was exactly what we needed at the time. Unfortunately, I still did not learn what I needed to learn. I was available to God in action and submission but couldn't quite make out his voice. It was clouded by too many conversations with others, many of them negative. This was not their fault. It was mine. So after a few years, my family was drawn away by yet another voice and moved from Florida to a town in Arkansas. This turned out to be a big mistake. It, was, it wasn't that we didn't pray about the, these moves, because we did. But when we prayed, we didn't listen to what God was saying because our our ideas and the voices we spent so much time listening to were drowning out God's voice in our lives. While we lived in Arkansas, we lost financially and spiritually. The culture of our family clashed heavily with the culture of the church there to the extent that we almost lost our walk with God. Though the church there preached the truth and continues to do so, It was simply not the place my family and I belonged. We stayed in Arkansas for just over a year before moving back to South Carolina, this time to be with our close friends. We lived right next to the beach and felt like we had found our place. We fell in love with the church and the people there, and moving there was a great thing for our family at the time. We grew grew closer to God and closer to each other. I watched my children make commitments in the relationship with God, and my wife and I made great strides toward Him as well. But the one thing I still had not learned was how to hear God's voice clearly. This was primarily because I lacked balance. I was still spending more time consulting with my friends than I was with God in prayer. We can never replace God's voice with a friend's voice.
let me pause right there. It's so, so important that we understand that one statement right there. We can never replace God's voice with a friend's voice. And I made that mistake. You cannot, you cannot replace those two things. No matter how much of a relationship another individual has with the Lord, that does not equate to your own relationship with God. And we can't depend on someone else's walk and talk with the Lord. We must only depend on ours. That's primary. Primary, we the primary relationship that we must have is with God. And in we we have to keep that the priority in our life. And we can't allow how close we someone appears to be to God to sway us or so none of that. None of that can 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 mean more than our own walk and our own relationship with the Lord. And anytime that come, becomes out of balance, then we are in danger of making a mistake. We're in danger in something that could be very costly in our walk and relationship with God that could offset us for years even if we're not careful. So never replace God's voice with a friend's voice. It's good to have friends. It's good to have people that you can talk to. It's good to have people that you can confide in. But it's better to have a relationship with God that you can pray and speak to him directly and he can speak back to you. So that must always be our priority in our relationship with God, to spend time with Him. All right, uh, moving on. Um, beginning on the last chapter of page 27, it says, Many great things happened during our time there, and for that I will always be grateful. How, however, along with those great things came great struggles, stemming from the wrong voices remaining too loud in my life. I was overly concerned about what others thought and prioritized pleasing others. I thought I would find my fulfillment in the recognition of preachers with so-called big names. This was detrimental to me and my family. I found myself traveling down a dark path in my walk with God. I became angry and discontented with him, thinking he had forgotten about me and that he didn't have anything for me to do. The truth was, I should have been less concerned about looking for opportunities to fulfill myself and more concerned about making myself available to God, allowing Him to fulfill me. Because I had allowed other voices to speak too loudly in my life, my priorities were skewed. I was allowing the constant negativity of outside voices to have a damaging effect on both me and my family. In 2019, the darkness became almost overwhelming. My wife became deathly ill and began losing weight and strength at an alarming rate. At the same time, my father-in-law was dying from a rare uh, neurodegenerative disorder called progressive supernuclear palsy. To add insult to injury, I was hit with financial struggles in my business, and at one point I was about $70,000 in debt to subcontractors and suppliers. This seemed to all happen at once, and every time I thought things couldn't get any worse, they did. It was during this time that God allowed me to be faced with suicidal thoughts. On three separate occasions, I faced that dreadful spirit of complete devastation and despondency. And each time it manifested itself with growing strength and intensity. Finally, the third time I faced the spirit, God gave me a glimpse of what would happen to my family and the repercussions they would have to endure if I were to take my own life. Through this revelation, he delivered me from the influence of that destructive spirit. And let, let me pause right there again. 
if at any time we have been faced with the spirit of suicide or suicidal thoughts, we need to seek the face of God. That is an opportunity to seek God and to, to, to seek his will and his purpose and his voice so that it becomes more and more clear to us. It's, it's, if, it can be also when that, that devastating spirit, the devastation of suicide and those spirits and uh, begin to wage war, it can lead us into intercessory prayer and we can be used by God to help reach and to help uh, someone else. And, uh, and sometimes God will give the name, sometimes God will give the situation, and other times he will not. But we must allow those times of difficulty that we're going through to do not lead us to our own deprivation, our own trouble, and and take us to that area that we, that's beyond um, this beyond repair, and to think that we're so despondent, nothing can happen, and nothing's good's going to happen, and we must turn that into intercession for others. And if we can learn how to do that, when we feel that coming on us, it's going to drastically change us. It's going to change us in in a great way, and it takes another tool out of the enemy's belt, and it and it begins to turn things. Uh, in our lives around. And we can see that no matter what the enemy does, no matter the attack that he has, that God turns everything back to good, that he can turn it all to his favor. And, and, this, is, and this is one of those times. We must recognize the call to prayer. And it's not always a call to our own despondency and our own depression and all these things. Oftentimes, God is drawing us into those those places so that we will seek Him because He has a purpose for that prayer. He has a purpose for that for that emotion. Okay, it's not it's not always something that's just to lead us down a dark path, but it's so that we will reach out to Him and we will see what His will is for the moment. Anyway, all right, moving on, uh, beginning on the second chapter on page 29. Throughout this dark time, I never stopped praying and seeking after God. And that was the only reason I made it through. I was able to overcome the darkness because I had finally learned to hear the voice of God over the other voices in my life. I was finally able to separate myself from the other voices and focus on God's. Shutting down the voices of negativity and turning Uh, And tuning into the voice of God created a different problem, however. For years, I had allowed the allure of others and the desire to be what others thought I should be to determine how I lived and what I did. Though I was always faithful to church, to prayer, to fasting, and to the study of God's word, I was not faithful to obey God's voice over everything else. Did God do great things during this time? Yes, he did. He didn't stop being God nor did he stop loving me. He kept calling and speaking, and I finally heard him. During that time, I had aligned myself and my family with people who had been severely hurt and damaged by others, but they were never able to find healing. This is not to say they are bad people and that God cannot use them. God loves them and desires very much to use them. But what God does not want is for us to be so consumed with other people's ideas and opinions that we cannot hear what he is saying and where he is leading. We had become so ingrained in our lives in South Carolina that when God was trying to move us, it felt like everything we thought we were we were was being ripped away and destroyed. 
This kind of change was the only thing that could have caused us to leave. We loved it in South Carolina. We had lives there, and we had success there. In fact, we were about to build our dream home on three and a half acres of land just outside of the city. South Carolina was home. Throughout this time, I discovered the relationship I had with certain people was detrimental to my walk with God, and with this revelation came great division. We were completely ostracized from the church we attended, and every relationship we had in that church was suddenly cut off. I thank God for the leadership of, South, of the South Carolina District Board that gave us direction and placed us in another nearby church that loved us and helped us make the transition to the church we now pastor in Moorhead, Minnesota. God always protects and provides if we will allow him to do so. Leaving South Carolina this time was extremely difficult. We began our transition in October 2020, but did not arrive in Moorhead, Minnesota until March of 2021. It was not an easy transition, nor was it a place I would have ever picked out on the map for us to go. In fact, I had specifically prayed, God, we will go wherever you want us to go, but preferably not the north. However, it was the exact place God had designed for us. I remember seeking counsel from Pastor Kelly McGuire during this transition. He told me he would pray that as soon as we stepped off the plane into the city, we would know without a doubt if it was where we were supposed to be, and it happened exactly like that. I could never thank Pastor McGuire enough for his guidance and love during that difficult time of our lives. Uh, however, I do not look back on those difficulties and troubles and see them in a negative light. I see those times as times of learning and training. No matter where we are or what we are facing in our walk with God, the most important thing is that we make ourselves available to hear His voice. We must fine-tune our ears to His call. God can use any situation we face and turn us into great assets for His kingdom if we will allow only allow Him to do the work. And that's the end of chapter 2. And that um that particular time frame of our life was um was so hard because the place we were at they truly were our best friends and um or my best friend and uh they they truly were our you know very close to us we became close to their children they were close to our children the the whole um even the church we we attended we loved we loved the people there and still do love them and still hope the best for them um uh we have been careful to to not divulge the the details of the all the the difficulties that happened there whether um others have or not that's that's not up to me or um you know but but anyway we uh we have tried to 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 not divulge all of those things and i think that's key that's a key to to anyone truly having healing in their life is Everybody doesn't need to know every detail of all of the devastation that uh, individuals have caused in your life. Um, you know, there are some things that you need to keep between you and God. Not everybody, especially when the story d doesn't shed a, a good light on another individual. What do we gain by by saying all of the terrible things that people have done? What do we gain by that? I don't believe that we gain anything from it. I believe all it does is make someone else look negatively towards them when maybe um, God could have used that relationship to their benefit in another time, in another place, you know, somewhere, somewhere down the line. But because of that negative outlook, now 
that that person is skewed. Their 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 eyesight is skewed towards them. Their thought pattern is skewed towards them. And we've got to be careful that we don't allow that to happen. And um and I've been led that way. I've been led that way towards individuals to think that well because of this or that about an individual or a person or a family that that I shouldn't have anything to do with them because of the opinion of someone else. And I think we all have faced that at times. But we've got to be careful not to do that. We've got to be careful not to allow that. We've got to be careful that we keep ourselves pure from that. And it's of the utmost importance that we do so. So this um, has been the preacher's perspective of Pastor Warren Joyce in Moorhead, Minnesota. Thank you.